Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe the best way? No, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast. Dr. Sonny Spira, today our special guest is Dr. Desiree Yazdan-Shenis. She goes by Dr. Yazdan. And she has a great story to tell. In fact, we're just scratching the surface. We are going to do a part two. I can't wait. Today we're going to talk about, and you're going to get the vibe from her, the power of intention. She is so intentional in what she does and how she does it. It's it's It just took me to another place. It was so fascinating. Very successful cosmetic dentist in Southern California. Uh, and she's got her own coaching system and everything else. And she's a big believer in she changed her schedule from 13-hour days to 13-hour weeks. And her profit double. So we have to get more into those details. So sit back, listen, enjoy. If you like the podcast, please click share, share it with your friends, click like, share it with your friends. If you don't like it, well, hell, contact me, please. Let's do something to make it better. It's really your product and hopefully you guys all appreciate and get something out of it. I know I certainly do. Our podcast, as always, brought to you by Kettenbach Dental. Kettenbach Dental has a new product called Profisil. P-R-O-F-I-S-I-L. And they are excited to announce it. It's the first major advancement in fluoride varnish treatments. No longer any alcohol or resin. Instead, patients will want the new treatment delivered by a mucoadhesive dimethicone gel, leaving a smooth, silky, lubricious feel. No more grip. Contact Kettenbach today for details and do more varnishes that patients will appreciate. 877-532-2123 or visit them at kettenbachusa.com. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. Welcome to the Fee-for-Service Dinner podcast. Dr. Sonny Spirit today, a special guest. Now, this was a connection that Dr. Nacho put me in touch with Dr. Desiree, he called her. Her yes. name is Desiree Yazdan Shenis, and she has a really interesting background. Let me give you a little bit of 
of her bio. She is a passionate dentist about cosmetic dentistry and takes great pride in offering the finest patient care and services to each and every patient individually. She is determined to give you the smile you've always desired. Her passion for smile makeovers began when she was very young. She was born with severely misaligned teeth. My teeth were the first thing people noticed, and I was constantly embarrassed by them. Having had braces for three times and many terrifying dental experiences, she became intrigued with the dental field. I wanted to make sure none of my patients would live through the experiences that I had. My experience motivated me to create perfect smiles and still be extremely compassionate towards my patients. She soon began focusing her education on helping people achieve beautiful smiles. Having completed her research and publications on enamel development and receiving her master's in craniofacial biology and got, getting her DDS from the University of Southern California, her expert training and professionalism have added to her keen eye for beauty. At the Center for Restorative and Cosmetic Dentistry, Dr. Yazdan utilizes her expertise and passion to enhance your youth and create your smile transformation. She's also a certified coach and helps women doctors make more money while cutting back their work hours. Earn more, work less. Great yeah. book, Dr. Dwayne Schmidt, but it's a great philosophy. Through her program called the Million Dollar Mentorship. This is a program she founded in, in 2019, excuse me, 2019 after having had her first child and going from working 12 to 13 hours a day to 13 hours a week and doubling her revenue. Sounds pretty good. Mm -hmm. Now she spends a lot of her time helping doctors do the same. Your business should support your lifestyle. If you want to work three half days a week and work part-time to raise a family, you should be able to do that without taking a hit in your income. When she's not working, Dr. Yasmin loves making memories with her family, playing the piano and exercising. So please join me in welcome. Dr. Yazdan, as she goes by. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Wow, that was quite the intro, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, it's all true, right? <laughs> yes, yes. No uh, embellishment. Thank you so much for having me. You know, hey, if, if you got it, you know what I mean? Flaunt it, right? I suppose. It's true. You know, it's good for you. So we are recording this uh, just after Thanksgiving. So if there's any uh, holiday references, I apologize. But let's let's get started. Tell me, give me, and we got people got to get to know you first. So tell me about your background. Where'd you grow up? Where are you from? Yeah. So I'm from California, born and raised here from Southern California. Um, grew up in Orange County. All the schools that I went to were well, not necessarily Orange County, but like in Southern California. Um, and so I, I think I just always knew I wanted to be in dentistry. And I remember, um, my brother is a medical doctor and I remember my parents telling me like, Oh, that's a great field. Like you should think about doing medicine. And I like tried <laughs> and it was not every time I would volunteer at the hospitals. It just was not my environment and I really didn't want to do it. So, and I really knew I wanted to do dentistry. I don't know how I knew I just did. And so I went down the path. And I remember telling my parents, like, I don't want to go to medical school, like thinking that I would really disappoint them because they really wanted me to go to medical school. And I was like, I really just want to do dentistry. And they were like, oh, really? Like what, what is dental school? Like, what does that entail? And 
Um, what's so funny is like years after I became a dentist, I met up with one of my friends that I grew up with. Um, and we played tennis together from a very young age. And it turned out like I was giving consults to people on the tennis course. There was actually a, a video of us. We were watching like home movies from when we were younger. Um, her mom was like, look what I found. You guys should watch this. And we were like, you know, young, like 12 years old, 10 years old. And I was giving like dental consults on the tennis court to my friends. And I was like, wow, I didn't feel like I knew I liked teeth. I didn't realize that I was like talking about people's teeth to them, like at that young of an age. So it's kind of interesting to remember that. Um, How old were you? I was young. I was like 10 or 12 years old on the tennis courts. And I was actually giving consults to the, my friends that were on the tennis team. I was like, yeah, like your tooth is like this. And I was like, explaining things to them that probably is not even accurate, but yeah, I, I've kind of always known I was interested in dentistry. Anybody teach you to bill for your time? Or was that not talked about yet? Got <laughs> 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 a nice little side gig, you know, like in the peanuts character, right? Uh, you know, Lucy has a psychiatric health box and she's charged with, what is it? Five cents now. So you're on the tennis court and you've given dental consults. You got to put a little sign up, you know? I know, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, technically. That may be the first. That may be the first time anybody's ever had that experience that they've shared. You think so? That's funny. For um, me, yeah. On this, on this show, yeah. I'm, I'm 10 years old. I'm on a tennis court. I'm telling people about their teeth. God bless you. You know, I think so, it's just because I was so exposed to dentistry. Yeah. Like I had so many dental appointments and not all, most of them were not enjoyable. And I had braces so many times and I was always intrigued by what they were doing. But I think I, it was just in my head all the time. Was there, was there, other than your experiences like that firsthand, was there ever, was there anybody along that path that you talked about your parents? Was there anybody else like your dentist, maybe the one that had a positive impact on you or the no. orthodontist or whoever's doing the ortho? Did someone ever like just reach out to you and say, Hey, you could do this or you'd be good no. at this or become a little bit of a role model or was there anybody? No. Really? Yeah. Isn't that weird? Almost the opposite. In huh? fact, what most people told me when I started expressing the interest in dentistry, like seriously, when I would go meet with, let's say any doctor that I had once seen, they were like, don't be in, in dentistry. Don't, it's terrible. It's a terrible field. And I was like, what? Like, how could it be terrible? So, and I know now just being in the dental world that there's so many doctors that feel that way. And it makes me sad. Yep. And I never got one piece of encouragement from anybody I spoke to. They all told me the same thing. Oh, you'll change your mind. They didn't, they didn't say don't do it. They just said, you'll change your mind. Don't worry. You'll, you'll go on to something all the way up to my college free health advisor. She was like, oh, you know, you fell asleep in my first lecture. You're not, you got not, you're not going to make it. And I was like, yeah, I did, but who the hell are you? You know, like, so yeah. yeah. anyway, so I think it reverse psychology just kind of encouraged me to just go ahead and, but you it kind of gave me curious. I was like, what, what, what's the deal? Why is everybody holding out on me here? Like, what's, is there something like, so bad? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is there something behind door number three? I don't know about, like, is there something you know, eerily, uh, you know, mysterious. So I, I just, I just was going to, you know, do it anyway. And I guess prove everybody wrong more or less, but so your high school, so no, so no, that's interesting. Almost everybody has someone they, they relate to. So when you're in high school, before you go to college, then were you thinking dentistry at that point? Like as you're going junior, senior. So now your college is kind of your stepping stone to dental school. Where were you at? No, in high school, I I wasn't 
like set on dentistry. I was just like, I know I wanted to do something and healthcare. And I knew I wanted to, you know, study science and I wasn't dead. I was, I was, I became like dead set on dentistry my second year of undergrad. Oh, and wow. so that's when I really was like, okay, I, I I'm going to seriously pursue dental school. Okay. Yeah. Now, was there anybody at that point that was like, Hey, this is a good way to go. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Any of your friends go into that path? No. Wow. You're a trendsetter. Yeah. And in fact, at that time, sadly speaking, actually, this was more like when I actually got into dental school, um, there was like a lot of people around me that were like, oh, did you decide to go to dental school? Cause you didn't get into medical school, like almost yeah. like pity. And I was that like, was, no, yeah. I really wanted to go to dental school. Like if I wanted to go to medical school, I would have gotten into medical school. I just didn't want to do medicine. I wanted to do dentistry. Yeah. I mean, that I was the old that, stigma. Yeah. Isn't that funny how that happens? I, and, I remember them telling me on my dental school interview, they're going to ask you this question, have a good answer why you're not going into medicine. Why you're like, I was like, seriously? Yeah, I mean, dead serious. It was like, so why? Uh, because the 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 rumor was, people had accepted, you know, got accepted to dental school, took it, and then dumped it once they got into medical school. So they were applying to both. Mm-hmm. And I was like, listen, I'm, I'm applying to five dental schools. I'm going to one of these five schools. I don't know what. You're yeah, and it's dentistry is so different than medicine. It's not not even close. Know. Yeah, and, and thank God. One, one of the guys who had said that to me ended up in my dental, he was actually trying to go to medical school. He ended up in my dental school class. And I was like, wait, this is so fascinating. Like, I was like, did you actually want to do dentistry or did you just really not get into medicine? Because all of his, like, you know, all of his studies were all geared towards medicine. And then I saw him the first day of dental school and I was like, this is fascinating. Did he admit it? Did he say, listen, I just didn't get into medical school. So no, he didn't admit it. So it's like, I didn't make the varsity, but I played JV. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So, so you, your second year, you decide, did you do anything special prior to dental school? Like, did you extern? Did you do some summer? Did you do some other things? Was it, was it required? I started like shadowing people at that point and like. But was it required? No. No, it wasn't required. Okay. So now you started to dive in. Because I, I can tell you are a, a serious, like you are a no nonsense achiever. I get it. Like, I get it. There's no doubt. So you're going to do it. You're going to do it well. You're going to do it right. You're going to do it once. Right. So talk about what your next steps were. So you started to shadow some people. Go ahead. Yeah, I started to shadow people. And then, um, you know, I started studying for the DAT and all those fun things. And then just, took the test, applied to the schools. And um, actually, funnily enough, the first time that I applied to dental school, um, I I didn't get in because I only applied to like two dental schools. And when I, and I got waitlisted and I called them and they're like, you applied too late. Had you applied early? Cause you know, they're on rolling admissions. Yeah, like, so applied early, um, then we would have, like you would have actually been accepted like for an interview. And I was like, what? And I got really mad. And then, and there, there was a, I can't remember exactly, but there was a reason that I didn't apply like the first day it opened. 
And I, for, I forget what that reason was, but there was like a very specific reason. And I, I don't know if I couldn't, or somebody told me, I don't remember. And then I remember being so devastated because I was like, oh my God. And then the next time around, I applied to like a lot of dental schools, even like out of state and all that. And in that meantime, like I applied for a master's because um, I was like, oh my God, what if I don't get in again? Right. That's going to be awful. Um, so I ended up getting into the master's and starting the master's program. And then I applied to dental school again and got in to my number one school, which was USC. Um, and, you and know, in middle I, school, you got a master's in Korean. I mean, yeah, you got another master's. I did. Yeah. So I finished my master's my first year of dental school also. So I was doing both. And the master's program, the craniofacial biology department was on another campus. So it was like really weird because I was going back and forth. And I feel like everybody thought I was antisocial because they'd be like, oh, do you want to do this? And, do you? and I was like, no, I'm, I have to go to class, like a whole nother thing. And so I was like, you know, jetting to another class. And um, yeah, I, I completed my master's and wrote my um, dissertation and all of that and did the whole presentation. And it was, it was quite a memory. Now, most people in their first year of dental school are overwhelmed with the sheer volume of material they have to learn. You're, you're just, again, you're just putting that in your left pocket while you're still working on your master's in your right pocket. And you're just, you're just kind of cruising along. That's yeah, not easy. I wouldn't say cruising. I was definitely like, you know, but that's not easy. That, it's that's, not easy. Yeah. that is no joke. You know, God bless you. So you get in dental school, you get to the school you chose, right? That was your first choice. Were you at any point in time thinking, I want to go into, okay, I'm guessing with that background, maybe oral surgery or was it orthodontics? Oh, you mentioned that. You? So I actually went into dental school wanting to do oral surgery. And one of the reasons is because you do end up also going to medical school. And I don't know, I'm very like science oriented and I do like the artistic side of dentistry a lot too, but I just like, I don't know, it's like more schooling and I was really into education and all these things. So I went in with the assumption of like, I'm for sure going into oral surgery. That is the reason I went to dental school. And then I will never forget like one of the, the first couple of weeks of dental school, I went and I was watching one of the residents extract a tooth. And I was like, oh, this, this does not look like something I want to do ever. And I know oral surgeons do more than just extracting teeth. But at the time, like, I mean, part of their job is to do that. Right. So, um, and then when I started having to extract teeth, I hated every single one and I never got used to it. I actually don't do any extractions. As soon as I graduated, I was like, I don't, I don't do extractions. It's definitely not my thing. And it's funny because I have some patients that are like, no, please, can you do it? I'm like, trust me, you'll never come back here again if I extract your tooth. Like I do the things I'm really good at. I definitely am not good at doing the extractions. You want to go to somebody who is, right? So um, yeah, very quickly I realized, okay, oral surgery is not for me. And then I was kind of like, okay, well now what do I want to do? Like that was the whole reason I came into dental school. Like now- so it was, it was, that was a little bit rough because I was like, okay, if like all my dreams of going into oral surgery just got shot down. So while you're in dental school, did anybody else like Prosto, did anybody else sort of approach you like, hey, you would be good at this specialty or 
I'm guessing you did very well in your classes. You're probably at the top of your class. I did do well in the classes. Um, I didn't have anyone necessarily that said like, I mean, everyone was kind of like, try this, try this. And I thought maybe I'll like ortho. I did not like my ortho rotations. I thought, okay, maybe I'm going to like pediatrics because I love kids. But then I I just didn't enjoy it. And then um, I really loved endo. So this is weird, but I, I love doing endo. I still would love to do it, but I don't because I know I'm not as good as an endodontist. So I just, I like don't do it. I just refer it out, but I love endo and it was so relaxing, except I did a really complicated molar and I was like, oh my God, as an endodontist, I'm going to be doing complicated molars all the time. So I decided not to do endo. <laughs> Um, cause they just, it was so frustrating to me at the time, but I really did love endo, but yeah. Okay. So you're finishing up dental school. Do you do residency or you're going into practice? Now I went straight into private practice. Okay. So and at talk that about, point, like yeah, once I, yeah, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say once I got to that point, like after probably after second year, maybe going into third year, something like that, I, I started thinking like, okay, I really want to do cosmetics. And I want to be really good at it. And so I started trying to find patients in the dental school that wanted cosmetic work or anybody I knew and trying to bring them in and trying to just learn that aspect of it, just like how to do it. And once I graduated, I started really like doing CE and trying to find mentors and just learning from everybody that I could. Yeah. So as you're graduating, talk about what you did to lead up to your next step? Like, would you go in as an associate? Did you like, what was your preparation? Like for that next step? What did you envision? I did go in. So I envisioned having my own practice. It's like high-end cosmetic dentistry and having like a boutique type office um, where I'm Let me interrupt you. Yeah. Are you there? I am there. I'm exactly where I imagined I would be. But, but so that's that's such a perfect lesson right there, right? People will say that. It's almost like lecture speak. You know, you have to picture it. But literally, because I don't know you that well, but in getting a sense of you, I, I, I could have told you what your answer was going to be. I had a vision of this is what I was going to have, and that's where I'm at, right? Yeah. Like, you, if you dream it, you can become it kind of, kind of thing. It's it's real, though. So yeah. so go, go back to that now. So you said, all right, this is I envisioned I, I was going to have a high-end cosmetic practice, but... When you're starting out, it's hard. Yeah, no, I mean, nobody wants to hire a new grad. That's the truth. Right. The, the people that do are, you know, the the clinics that are like, yeah. you see 40 patients a day and everything's like, yeah. And so I never wanted to practice like that. I just like never, and I feel bad for the people that do. I mean, some people love it and they thrive off it, but that was just not my personality. And I was like, I just want to like have time and do the best work I can. And I feel like I can't in these types of settings. Um, and so I, did you, the did way, you graduate with a heavy burden of debt or no? I was very fortunate. My parents paid for my dental school, but after my dental school, they were like, okay, you're on your own. And I was like, well, okay. just, just curious, right? Yeah. Just. Okay. So well, that does make a difference though, right? Because if you have that burden of that debt, you don't have the luxury of um like you know, waiting till you find the right position. So I fully understand that too. Um yeah, sometimes you gotta do X to pay this, but hopefully you have enough time to pursue Y, which is what you really want to do. So 
Right. So, okay. And I have so, a lot so of friends. It gives me that, a better picture, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did have that freedom of like turning down those jobs, thankfully. Um, so what I started doing, because again, nobody wants to hire a new grad is I was like kind of working like one day here and one day here and one day here, like all different offices. And my goal was just to like, you know, get better at my skills and learn the business aspect of it because you don't learn that in dental school at all. And everybody knows that who goes to dental school, right? They're like, yeah, you don't learn any of that. So my goal was to like learn everything as much as I could. So um, I was an associate and I, I started like the doctors that I started meeting that were doing like high-end cosmetic work. There was like a couple doctors in Beverly Hills. There was one in Newport beach. And I kind of approached them of like, I don't want you to pay me. Like, I'm not trying to get a job. Can I just shadow you and like, just watch how you do things? Can I ask you questions? Like, all I want to do is learn. And they were all very open to that. They were like, oh, sure. Yeah. And like, one of them was actually like, well, you could just work here. You could, you could be my associate. Maybe it would be nice to have an associate. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So I started like shadowing a couple doctors here, working a few days here and there. And then in this one practice, I started working one day a week. And, um, you know, so I was getting exposed to a lot of full mouth reconstructions, a lot of like really high-end cosmetic work. I was really soaking up as much like business stuff as I could and just the flow of patients and kind of like learn my, I know it sounds weird to like work in one office every day, but my goal was like to learn from every single office I was in. Right. Because the way one office runs, it doesn't mean it's going to, it's a perfect way. Like everybody kind of has their own way. And I wanted to like take from here and take from there and just like blend it together. Cause I knew eventually I wanted to have my own. So long, long story short, I ended up in a partnership where the dentist that had been working had had the practice for, I don't know, like 25 years. And it was very successful practice. And I thought it was a really good decision and that I was working there one day a week. And it just seemed like the natural next step. Cause I was kind of like, Oh, I want to go look for somewhere else or to like buy a practice. And she was like, she had kind of manipulated it of like, oh, I really want to sell my practice because I want to spend more time with my kids. And so I bought into what I thought was a very good practice. It turned out it was not. Um, and she sold it to me knowing that she was not going to be practicing dentistry anymore. Um, so that became very obvious after the fact. So I bought into the practice, ended up in a very quickly failed partnership which left me in a ton of debt because I took out a lot of money to sure. purchase the practice, left me in a ton of debt, had no patients, no employees. Um, well, I had the employees, but I had no money to pay them because I had no patients coming in. So and wait, so, wait, wait. So, so the, your quote partner walks away from the practice. Is that what you just said? Yeah. She basically got her license revoked. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm sure there's a story, but we don't have to go into it. It's a um, very wild story. Yeah. So that, I guess, so that was all kind of happening when she sold the practice to me, but I didn't know that. And nobody disclosed any of that info and I, whatever. Okay. So, so, so now, so just, just, just for paint the rest of the picture. So you're buying quote half of the practice. And when she walks away, you have the whole practice. Well, right? 
Well, what happened is she was trying to still get me to like buy another half of the practice from her. And I, at that point I started getting smart and I was like, well, there's nothing to buy because the equipment is old. And what I bought from you was goodwill. There's no goodwill, like it's done. Right. So that was, there was just nothing else to buy. So yeah, I ended up with the entire practice because legally you can't even own part of a practice if you don't have a license. So. Okay. Yeah. So, so you, so you said you took out a lot of money to borrow the, to, to buy yeah. this and are you making enough money to make your nut pay your bills? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. yeah. So even, even if you just had the half portion, you were still, you were like your needs, your basic needs were being met at least at that point. Right. Yeah. When I look back at like the financials of, um, it, it actually, it's like one of those situations, if you knew the whole story and you knew me all the way through it, it was like very much like, you know, so sad and really like upsetting and whatever. But then looking back on it now, because that's like years behind me, it's like, it actually worked out. And I made, you know, a lot of lemonade out of lemons, sour lemons. And so, um, yeah. And when, when I looked at the financials of it, that first half year that I bought in, um, I think just from that half year, I had made, you know, almost a third of the money to pay part of that loan. So that was nice to see. Um, and then, so yeah, although I took a big hit, right. And I still had a huge loan to pay. Um, I was, I'm, you know, that's easy now. I mean, as of a couple of years ago, I could have just completely paid it off. I just didn't for cash flow. So I have okay. the money. So it's it's nice to know that I've created, you know, so, I don't have to worry about it. So the practice you're in now is what this other practice has metamorphosized into? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So at what point do you say, all right, I am reinventing this practice. I'm going to make this look exactly like I want it to look. Oh, yeah. That was like. So I spent a lot of time being really upset about what had happened. And most of it was like, which is normal. Yeah. And most of it was like me getting in my own way because I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so stupid. How could I have let this happen? I thought I hired the right people. Like you're probably more worried about what everybody else thinks. Oh, a hundred percent. Right. And how it looks to the rest of these people. Yeah. Yeah. And the patients were leaving like, and you know, they think I'm guilty and I did something bad. I didn't even know, like I'm more in the hole than they are. Like they're fine. They walk away untouched anyway. So it was a disaster. And, um, and then at some point I remember my dad said, look, like you can be miserable or you can like get married. You could, you know, start a family. You could put your energy into like making something useful out of this. Like, what do you want to do? Right. And I remember now my now husband was with me at the time too. And he was like, it's going to be fine. Like you're, you're so strong. You're going to be able to figure this out. And, and so what I decided at that time was I'm going to give it one year. I'm going to put all my effort in for one year. And if I survive, then I know I can do it. Like if I could just make enough money to just pay bills and not have anything left over, like to do luxurious things with. And I know that I could make this thing work. And so I gave it my all for that first year. And then after this happened, and then I was like, okay, I survived. I did it. So now that I've survived, it's time to thrive. 
And so that's really when I started to really do everything I could to make a successful practice. And then what's, what's your parents' background? What's your dad's background? My dad is an engineer. Okay. And my mom is a fabulous mom that's uh, stayed home and took care of us. And she's also helped my dad in his business. I was just going to ask you, so it sounds like your dad has a little entrepreneur, like a little business savvy. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 So he has his own. And like the whole thing of, because at that, there was a point where I was like, oh, I'm going to go after her and get my money back. Like, I'm not going to let this happen to me. Right. And then my dad said, look, you don't know what she's done with her assets. She's known that she's doing this for a long time. He's plotting it. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, so, you know, you can either, he said, I'll support you, whatever you want to do. I'm here for you. But if, if you want to chase her and try to go after it and whatever, fine. But if, if you want to like have a happy life, and you want to, you know, build a business and sh- shuttle that energy into building a business, I would think about it twice, right? And so I was to do the later, which was better. So if you think about it, let's say, let's say we're talking, I'll just throw some numbers out. These are all fictitious. Uh, but let's say it's, it's we're talking about 100, 150 grand that you felt you were either overpaid, whatever, right? And that now consumes you to chase after that. Whereas you're missing, it's like you're you're chasing pennies and you're stepping over dollars. Like you're missing if you just put the time, like you ended up doing. So your dad's advice is super wise. Yeah. Right. You, you have to, you kind of have to pick your battles. Is it really worth this? Or to me, and it helped me because when I bought my first packs, I remember a, a very good friend of orthodontist was, who was kind of saying, you, you should probably go on your own. I think, you know, the practice that you're in, you're never going to be an equal partner. So I remember doing that and I remember saying, I think I'm paying too much. He says, all right, let's say you're paying $50,000 too much. Amateurize that over five years. Is it worth an extra $100 a month for you to have your freedom? And I was like, oh, wow. You know, but it was a light bulb moment. He shared that, yeah. you know, and if I didn't have that, I would have still been focusing on that, whatever that number is, say 50,000, like I said. I would have been focusing on that instead of focusing on this other gift, which is what you're really buying. And now you're going to make it your own. Right. So, so you, so you're going to go for a year, right? Yeah. What did your practice look like at the end of that year? Well, we survived. <laughs> <laughs> we survived. That's an understatement. Was, yeah, it was, you know, um, the good thing was we had some staff that I was not pleased with. So they were the first to go and it was good. But I had a very small team. I mean, I still have a small team, but we've expanded. But it was it was literally like three people. Like, and and we just like they supported me and I I never cut their pay. I never cut their hours. I took like every amount of like every dollar that I had worked for. And I was like, I'm gonna just make sure that like I'm there for the team so that they support me along this because I don't want to lose them too, right? I mean, there were times where this is so funny. I could laugh about it now, but I remember crying about it then. But there were times where um, I would call the office line just to make sure it was working because I was like, nobody is calling our office. There's nobody that wants to come in here. Like nobody, there's no patients on the schedule. And so, um, yeah, I, I actually started using Instagram around that time to start marketing myself because I knew that I had, like, I was able to do high-end cosmetic work. I had learned how to do it. 
And I, but I didn't have the patience. And I was like, well, everyone's like on Instagram. What if I start marketing myself on Instagram? So I started gaining a following there and I actually built my business using Instagram. So like social media really saved me at that time because I started to get new patients in the door. And, um, I mean, that also took a full year before I figured out how to really get patients into the door from using social media, but yeah. And, and then I started getting in patients for the treatments that I wanted to do. And I had dropped the prices so much. Like I was charging so low to do veneers or crowns or whatever. And I just would ask the patients, like, can I just take videos? Can I take photos of this? Can I post like just the teeth, like not even your face, just the teeth on like different platforms. And they were like, yeah, sure. No problem. They were just happy that they were getting it for so, and it was a good product. They were getting, you know, great work for very little. And I was just, and I would take, like, I started doing these like wacky payment plans. It, like, I'm like, whatever, if they just pay the cost and I make nothing, but I get some photos and videos out of it. I'm fine. And, um, it's so funny now looking back, like some of those people are still paying, like, this is like years later, they're still paying like $50 a month to pay off their payment plans. We don't have those type of payment plans anymore, but you know, during that time it was quite a struggle. So, so yeah. What was, just, speaking of that, what was the business practices of the practice that you bought? Was it heavily insurance-based? Was it in network? No. So it was fee-for-service. Okay. And the prices were, um, they were, you know, I would say on the higher end, but not, not like price gouging wise, but they were on the higher end and okay. um, like, yeah, it was, it was a good practice, but then all the patients left. So there was, yeah. So I'm going to ask you a question for the people listening, because I'm sure my, their first thoughts are, if you could think back when you started in the Instagram portion marketing and you started to kind of, sounds like it kind of you're snowballing it and you're really, you know, diving into that milieu, right? What were some things or what were some things you want to share with people like, hey, here's some things that I did, either that worked or I did that didn't work. I'm not you a big mean, Instagram like, guy, but just to share. Like marketing on Instagram? Yeah. What did you do? Yeah. So I really just started focusing on like, who is my ideal patient? Who is it that I want to treat? And it really came down to thinking of like one person who I wanted to treat the treatment that I wanted to do. And then I just started talking about it all the time. And I would just talk about veneers. And thankfully I had saved a good amount of pictures of like the patients that I had done treatment on and I had access to those. So like I would use those, I would just talk about it. I would post about it post before. And then I would start sharing like valuable dental content. Like my thought was if somebody finds my page, I don't want them to ever look at it and be like, well, that was a waste of my 30 seconds. Like, what is this? Right. Like, I didn't want to be like, oh, here I am going to the beach or whatever. Right. Like it was like, I wanted to always showcase something of value to my ideal patient. So that was really what I think started attracting people to my page is like anyone who was interested in dentistry, right. Not, or like getting dental treatment done, um, was that because I was always putting out very valuable information, like educational wise. Well, like think, I didn't think back to what, what you said earlier. I wanted my practice to be this. Yes. Now your next step is I want my ideal patient to be that mm -hmm. because that is going to help me get this. Yes. Right. Yes. So it's very intentional. You, you, it's very 
it's beautiful to listen to because it's so consistent with your your kind of your message and your vibe and what you you literally you 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 must have like you must be a really good goal setter like you really have a good good such a good goal setter it's terrible <laughs> i'm just taking some wild guesses but boy i can really sense like this is what i did this is it so it's it's just very intentional and it's it's a beautiful thing especially you know successfully so talk a little bit about let's talk about some fee-for-service things so let's talk a little bit about the fee-for-service model mm-hmm. and how you might have had to ride some waves because you said you lowered your fees significantly yeah. but you're also still snowballing your your patient marketing to find more of the ideal patients so what did the practice look like at year two year three and then how important was your model to practice like that? Um, yeah, I just didn't ever want to accept insurance. And I mean, all of us dentists know, right? Like it's such now, a shame. in the face of people leaving you, like you said, they're leaving you in droves. Yeah. And you're still convicted. You're, you're That's to me, that's so important, but go ahead. Yeah, because I have a friend who, this is like a year ago, she did an exam for one hour. She spent one hour with this patient. She got reimbursed $12. And I was like, that's not even minimum wage. Like you're a doctor. Like, the, and it's just, I don't ever like them, you know, insurance dictates treatment, right? Like if you have a tooth that's broken, but you're maxed out, they're like, oh, we'll pay for it next year. Like, and that's not right. So I was like, I'm never going to be able to have the practice I want if I accept insurance. And I don't want to, I don't want to start accepting insurance and then have to drop it and lose the patients. Like I'm already starting from scratch. I want to just build it with patients who see the value in what we do, right? Like, because the insurance model is so different. Like my hygienist spends a full hour which, with each patient. And a lot of times with insurance, it's like, they don't spend a full hour. They spend 20 minutes and then an assistant comes in and does the polishing. And, and that's how it has to be because the reimbursement is not enough to cover the hygienist fee for that hour. If you're, you know, like they get reimbursed like $40 for a profi or like 30, $28 for a profi. If you're paying your hygienist like 60 or $70, it just doesn't make sense. Right. So you, and I just was like, I don't want to do that and then change my whole model again. Like I'm already starting from scratch. So let me just try to find people who see the value in paying out of pocket for the dentistry. System with the model, right? It's your, it's yeah. your intention. Now, yeah. did you, so, so you, you, you never, you burn your boats. You're never going into the into network. Yeah, hopefully so not. What, what did you see your practice? So, so at the end of the year, you said, I'm going to give it a year. What did you feel like at the end of the year? Where, where, where were you at? Were you on? I just a, felt a, like I survived. Like I kept the practice afloat. I was able to pay the bills. Um, I started you getting. like you were on solid footing though at this point? Not solid. No, I didn't feel right. like solid footing. I just felt like I made it. Somehow I made it work. However, okay. I did it. Whatever I did to make it work, I made it work. So if I could just make it work. That means that I can actually like thrive. Right. And like, it's funny because when COVID hit, I was like, Oh, like if that didn't take me down, COVID's not taking me down. Right. And like everything that I've come into encounter during my business experience, like even now as we like approach kind of like a weird time with the economy and stuff. Right. And like, sometimes my staff comes to me and they're like, are you worried? Like what this patient canceled? I wonder if it's the economy. And you know, that's like the second case this month. And I'm like, that's fine. Like it's, and I, my mindset is always like, if that didn't take me down, there's no way that COVID or like 
a recession or anything is going to take me out either. Right. So I think it's just learning. You got battle tough. You got battle yeah. tough. Yeah. You know, you got mentally and physically stronger by it. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of that too. I, I think if I didn't go through what I went through, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Just like I'm getting that same vibe from you that, you know, you look back on it now that helped put you, if you didn't have that experience, you're probably not in the same position you're in today. Yeah, totally. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. All right. So what year did you go into this practice? What year was it? Um, 20, I think, uh, 2014. 2014. Yeah. 2014, you became a partner. Yeah. And then by the end of 2015, you wanted to see if this is going to work, right? Right. So, t- so 2014, I became a partner, partner, like very late in the year. And then by the end of 2015, I I think it was 2015, she was basically almost gone. Okay. Yeah. So then the year, the year that you gave it was then 2016. Yeah, I believe so. I can't remember, but I think something around those lines. Yeah. All right. So at this point, do you have any children at this point? No. Okay. So it's, but you're, you're okay. So you're, you're still very much in your practice. Okay. So now what's your number two look like after so after you're said I made it, I I've I've done I've I've survived. What's your plan for the next year? Now you want to thrive, right? What's your next plan? Right. So basically what I thought was what I have to thrive is like I just have to work and whenever patients want to come in is when I'm gonna be available. So I set this tone that was very unrealistic, but I I did it for a long time of like, whenever they call, like whenever they call, whatever they need, I will be there. And so I found myself like going in at 11 PM or, you know, going in at 4 AM. And what's fascinating is my office manager was all for it. She's like, okay, let's do it. We got this. Let's it. She, she was like my little buddy in this. And my now, you know, at some point I got married and my husband was like, yeah, that's, that's fine. Like, let's do it. Like, let's go. I'll drive you and whatever. And then I got pregnant with my first daughter. And although like, I wanted to keep going, I just like, couldn't anymore. Like my, I had pregnancy arthritis. I was exhausted. I had, I like, couldn't even breathe because of where the baby was. And like, and I think I, I was 38 weeks and I was, um, so like literally I had the baby a week later, but at 38 weeks, I was like seating 10 teeth here, going into the next room, seating eight teeth, going into the next room, prepping 10 teeth. Like it was so, I had packed the schedule so much and I like, my body could not do it. Like it physically was like giving out. I remember like having to, and I've never experienced that, but I was like having to like get up and walk out of the room just to like breathe. I'd like have to stop and like get up and go out, take off the mask and like breathe. And, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I, I physically can patients started, you know, they would call at night and I'm like, I can't. What year is this? This was in 2019. 2019. Okay. Yeah. And then I was just like, I can't, I can't go in at night anymore. I can't go in early morning. Like my body cannot handle it. And it took all the way until I was 38 weeks pregnant for me to finally just be like, I can't. And so I worked until I had the baby basically. And then I had her and there was just one specific night where I remember 
like coming home, just sobbing. And I was like, I just can't, if this is what it's going to take to have a successful practice, I'm not going to do it. Like I'm done. I don't care. Like I'll sell the practice. I don't want to do it anymore. And obviously it was like a very pregnant, emotional person. And then I had the baby. And then I was like, while I was gone, I was only gone for three weeks, but while I was gone, I had thought about it. And I was like, well, what if I could have the practice and I could have this business and I didn't have to take a cut in revenue? Like, what would that look like? What would it be like for me to work, let's say, like just two or three days a week and kind of work part-time and just a couple hours a day, like not work these crazy long hour days and just like, what would have to happen for me to do that and have a business that kind of like just makes more money while I'm raising a family. Right. And so I started thinking of things in that way and like, you know, trying out different things here and there and modifying things to the point where, like you said, very intentional, right. I am working very, very part-time now. I work like three days a week and two of those days are half days. And yeah. So, yeah. So to summarize a couple things, if you don't mind sharing, what did you see the practice? What did you see the practice and growth? You don't think you know if you don't want to give me real numbers, but if you want to say like we grew hundred percent or two, just what what did your practice numbers wise start to look like after that second year? After after you decide wow. the first year, I'm going to do this. I'm guessing you had incremental, um, significant, not linear growth, but hyperbolic like, like. Well, no, in the those. First couple years was very, very slow growth. Right. Like, and that was okay. Once I had my daughter, I literally doubled my revenue. And I I went back to work at that time, I went back to working like 17 hours a week. It wasn't until I had the second baby that I cut my work hours to 13 hours a week. Um, but yeah, it was literally like very, very slow. And then the when I had my daughter. I doubled my practice revenue. And what's interesting is now we embarked on 2020 where it was COVID and we were closed for three months and I still increased my revenue by so much and like a lot. And so then, and then every year, I mean, I haven't doubled every year, but, um, you know, it's grown significantly every year. And like, I even think, you know, last year I had another child and I took uh, for the first one I mentioned, I took three weeks off. The second one, we had like a little issue and I just wasn't comfortable leaving her alone with anyone. So I, I didn't go back for like four months. And so I didn't work for four months of the year and we still oh. increased the practice revenue. And I was like, I was like, wow, like, you know, really what you think and how intentional you are and how you can manage your mind really affects what you can create for your life. How How did you, um, have you changed your model? Like, do you have an associate in there with you that covers? I mean, what, I what do you have. Like, I have so. two associates currently. Each of them works one day a week. Um, I have a specialist in the practice who's there two days a month. Um, I have got two amazing hygienists. And so, I mean, the model has changed a little bit. I had a specialist before too. I didn't have the associates. I've always had the specialist, but I didn't have the associates. So now I, I have the associates um, and that's helpful. I would still say I'm the main producer, but it's just, I've been able to get, you know, the little things off my schedule and put it on their schedule and then put all the bigger things onto my schedule. You have to spend a lot of time with them 
you know, mentoring them a little bit, like your associates, are they in the same frame of mind as you were? Is like, hey, I want to learn. I want to do these things. Are they? Have yeah, they're definitely person? amazing. Um, and one of them, I got to spend more time mentoring and like kind of being like working on things. The other one, I hired her literally like a week before I was having my second baby. I think I was actually on maternity leave. And so unfortunately, I didn't get to spend the time with her up front that I normally would when I hire somebody. Um, but she has done amazingly well. And she is, you know, uh, she has been in dentistry for a long time. So I was very comfortable with her. She was a hygienist before she became a dentist. And I was very comfortable with her. And we have a lot of open communication. But um, I remember just like going in randomly and like being like, okay, like, let me tell you about these materials. And like, I'd have like five minutes with like a baby in hand and like, you know, my toddler and then like super pregnant, like trying to get to an appointment and, and she just did amazingly well. And, you know, we still talk about things here and there and I help them out when they need it, but they're very good. Well, folks, we're going to have to wrap Dr. Yes. She's got something she's got to get to. I promised her I wouldn't keep her too long. So I didn't get a chance. We didn't get a chance to talk a lot about your excuse me, million dollar mentorship and that program and how it's helped. Um, I have to have you back on another podcast. Huh. Uh, I mean, you kind of wet my whistle. I could keep, I could, I could talk for three hours to you right now easily, but Thanks. I know you've got things you got to do. So yeah. um, we'll put some stuff in the show notes. If people want to get in touch with you. Um, you do list it, but I'm just going to give a shout out real quick. The uh, website, www.dryazdin.com coaching y-a-z-d-a-n yazdincoaching.com slash waitlist okay it's a million dollar mentorship waitlist so very successful inside and out you can tell things are done intentionally i just i just love having a conversation with you it's been very enlightening for me so well, thank, thank you, you for very having much. me and i can't wait to have another conversation promise you come back that's for sure absolutely thank you so much thank you Thanks for listening to the fee-for-service dentist podcast. If you would like to share your fee-for-service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.